Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode here on Six and Bones with your ghost host, Chelsea and Ten. Hi, Ten. How are you? I am doing really well. Um, I feel like every time we come to film, since my back of my wall is like blue, I feel like I'm just living in an ever-present like twilight scene. Because you know how it's filmed through like that blue light? Yes. I'm in my twilight era over here and I'm loving every moment of it. Well, it's been feeling like twilight because for the past three days, it's been nonstop raining. And I I honestly love it. Like Mm -hmm. I've just been cooking. I've been wearing my cozy clothes. Like I'm wearing a flannel right now, my jacket, my beanie. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I can live like this forever. Like give me all the baggy clothes in the rain because this is fun. This is, this is a good time. It was like that cold rain too. So it was just like, Ooh, I just want to curl up on like the couch with like a good book. It's, it's book weather now. It is book weather. And I'm, and I'm really excited. I actually just ordered like three new books, not even for pleasure for studying. Um, I'll, I'll show you guys on my Instagram. I ordered, um, another Daniel Ogden book because, you know, I just couldn't control myself. Ooh, which one? Um, it's the one, uh, the ghost one. And, um, I can't remember. Now I got to pull up my Amazon. Give me a second. I think is it magic. It. Is it magic witchcraft and ghosts, the source book? Um, it might be. Hold on, let me see. Mm-hmm. I'll just tell you what it is now. Um, it's literally right underneath. Yes, the laptop. <laughs> yes, that's that's the one that I got. I've been uh wanting that one, and then I also got one, um, for my Italian folk practice, um, for magic that happens in um southern Italy. So it's like a study on that. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm very excited by Ernesto Di Martino. Um, I had it on my Kindle, okay. but. I like to, when I'm studying, I want the book. I want the book. I want to like whip it out. I want to, I want to look through the pages. I'm not, I've never really adapted to the, the Kindle in terms of studying. No, I feel you on that. Like Kindle's great for just like reading, like for fun and pleasure and stuff like that. But the moment I need to study it, it was even hard for me to like read like an actual textbook on it over vacation. I was like, ah, I can't. Yeah, no, you just can't. There's something about it. Like I have some of my witchcraft books when I used to live with my parents, mm. um, like, you know, demonolatry. I had that on my Kindle because like, you know, you don't want people snooping through your drawers and being like, what is she studying here? Um, So I have that like on my Kindle, but I find it really hard. It, it's a studying thing. Like I need to have the book in front of me. I need to annotate it. I want to like mark the pages up. I want to whip it out and be like, I have the answer. You know what I mean? Oh, I love doing that. Honestly, if anybody went through my Kindle, it would honest. I think I would rather die. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I have some crazy things. <laughs> Don't look there. You know how people are like, delete my search history. No, delete my Kindle, man. <laughs> yeah, delete, delete what's on my Kindle. I don't even care. Um, people are like, oh, what would you do if someone stole your phone and looked through it? I'm like, they'd find product photos from the the metaphysical store. I am so boring on my phone, but when you find the things that I'm studying and reading, you're like, this bitch is crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, what happens if somebody steals your phone? Oh, well, then they're going to get cute cat photos, product photos, and <laughs> that's about it. Screenshots. Probably my texts with 10, which are nothing. We don't really text. We talk on the phone. So it's like, uh, you, my phone is dry, you know? It, it is really dry. is. And like in my photos are screenshots because books of Instagram, you guys get me every single time where I'm like, okay, screenshot. God, another add it to my Kindle. God damn it. I know. I know I always save things to my um my social media profiles and I never actually look through the saved ever again. I'm like, oh, I'm save it for later. Oh, I'll save it for later. And then I never went later. back. Later's never. <laughs> um, for those of you on YouTube, you have the lovely um day of Pluto just staring into the camera. Are you joining this podcast today, young sir? 
He is. He says, I'm stealing your soul today. But oh my gosh. So I got a question for you. And this has been having the internet in a chokehold. And I know we talked about this the other day ourselves. Yes. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? Mm, I think about it sometimes. I tend to think about like um, Marilyn Monroe more than I think about the Roman Empire. I was going to say, what is your Roman Empire? Marilyn Monroe. I think the way that she died and like what happened proceeded after her death um, and the way people like still talk about her today and like sexualize her, even though she's someone who's dead um, is crazy. Like, and I also think about Britney Spears and I know she's still alive, Mm -hmm. but I think about Britney Spears all the time, which I know we'll go into this, but Crossroads is coming back out. They're rebooting Crossroads, the original in movie theaters. And I'm like, I need to go see it. (laughs) I'm like, I have to go see it. But, Britney, I think about Britney Spears probably more than I think about the Roman Empire because she was my Roman Empire. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, like when I was 12, like that's when Hit Me Baby One More Time came out. She was our Roman Empire. I I mean, I feel like I have to think about the Roman Empire by default because it not by choice. It's because I teach about it. So it's like I have to know the odds and ends of it. But I asked Kevin, I was like, Kev, how how often do you think about the Roman Empire? He was like, no, I don't. Not really. Not unless you talk about it. He's really? like, I, I think about video games and science. Oh, I asked my brother because you asked me this question. I know it's been a big debate. And he said he thinks about it twice a week. That's like, is there anything specific about the Roman Empire? Or just, I don't know. Like, I think men just have a fascination with the Roman Empire. I, that's wild. Like, I know why I have to. Kevin, Kevin's just a unicorn out there. He does not think about it. I don't think about it either. I mean, I think it's interesting. I think the Roman Empire is really cool. Yeah. Like, we all saw that when we talked about Julius Caesar. And I was like, oh, Caesar, you know what I mean? Like, we're all freaking out. But yeah. I, I definitely think more about, oh, the Black Dahlia, that murder case. I think about that all the time. Oh, yeah, that's an interesting one. If you don't know what that is, look it up. You'll be in a rabbit hole for... They still haven't solved that case. These are the things I think about. I think it's more like women and like old Hollywood. And it's like, what happened to Marilyn Monroe? What happened to the Black Dahlia? Why is Britney Spears the way that she is? You know, I think about these things. Yeah. I thought about my Roman Empire, if I wasn't thinking about Rome, is the Titanic. Because I don't know why I had a fascination with that. I still do. Um, The wives of Henry VIII. Like, the main was like, I'm going to divorce you. The Pope was like, La Popa said no. And he was like, screw you, La Popa. I'm starting my own church. Like, I think about him often because he was such I, a douchebag. I, oh, I'm speechless. The woman was too stunned to speak. The English empire in general, I think about it all of the time. And like, I don't understand how people stand the monarchy I'm Irish, so I might be biased to this. I mean, you talk to my family and they're like, oh, don't even get this shit out of our house. You know what I mean? Um, But I think about the monarchy a lot. Like, not the Roman Empire. I think of the monarchy. And I'm like, yeah, I I don't get it. I don't get it. I try to. I don't get it. So that's where I stand on this topic. Oh, I get that, you know. But how are you doing? How's, How's life? How am I doing? I'm doing okay. I have been cooking all day today because we're filming this before St. Michael's feast day, but I promised uh, St. Michael I would make baked ziti for his feast day and it has to be shared between people because that's just like part of my culture. So mm-hmm. the metaphysical store is getting homemade sauce and ziti from me on Friday. So I'm very excited. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Chelsea's cooking is banging and 
yeah, I'm just extra grateful this week. We hired a second employee and you did I like, look at us a year later. And I'm like, who are we? I don't know, but it's given me, it's freed up a lot of time for me to like do other things, which has been really nice. So like I can make ZD at 7am and not worry about, you know, not keeping up with anything ever in the store um, mm-hmm. or having to make 5 million different things. So thank you out there for those of you that place an order with us and your patience. Candles do take upwards of two weeks because we hand make everything. And I mean, like they're made to order only because sometimes um, I'll tell a little anecdotal story from a client that just got back to us. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we add things to your order that like we feel like you need. And that's why we like to do each one. Like Ten and I, deal with all the orders. Like we have people that ship for us, but we're the ones making the stuff. Like we don't, no one touches that. Like the handwritten thank you notes, the readings, like our employees don't touch that stuff. That's just, we're handling everything. (laughs) Yes. Because I never want to be so big where you like, you know, you miss that. Like you, you want 10 and I to touch it. That's why you're buying it. You're like, we need Chelsea and 10 on this. I want to keep that like personalization, you know, and like customization. Yes, but this was funny. So we saw this message recently. So if you're the client that's listening, thank you for your sweet message. Um, They reached out to us saying thank you for their order. And we, I guess we must have randomly included like the Apollo Oracle Roller, which helps you with yeah. like, oracular messages. You can also wear it to honor and venerate Apollo, um, et cetera. But they had been feeling like drawn towards him and his worship. And um, they had just started worshiping him. And by the time their order got to them, it was like they were very new to worship. And they were like, this was just like the sign from him that I needed. So thank you very much. So if you receive something from us, it's intuitively picked. And like, we will write you a hand note um, of like, we felt like you needed this or, you know. (laughs) What? I said, oh, yeah. Like everything is so handpicked, so personalized. Like I wouldn't have it any other way. And what was it the other uh, day? Chelsea and I were like, you know what? I wish, I wish we could give each other mystery boxes. I know. Oh my God. I know. I was really like jealous. I'm not just yeah. saying this because it's my story, but I really was jealous. I was like, oh, this shit's so cool. Like it's so cool. When we were picking all the boxes, I was like, oh, you got this. No, they get this. Like We're also a bunch of nosy ass bitches. Like we're doing, I'll be doing something's reading. I'm like, oh my God, like this person really needs protection. There's an evil eye here. And then I'm like, and Ten's like, what else do they need in that box? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, we're very involved oh. in the picking of your orders. Even if you just place an order, like, we're very involved mm-hmm. in, like, what goes on. Because I care about my customers. I want to make sure they have what they need. So. I am just a nosy little crone, man. Well, speaking of being a nosy little crone, Ted and I wanted to teach you guys on the podcast something that comes directly from my Italian family. And it's something that we've been like living for lately. Yes. So I got to tell you the story because like 10 has now been inducted into like my Italian family just knowing the story. So <laughs> my whole life, okay, growing up, mm-hmm. um, it was like a distant family friend of like my grandparents and my, my grandparents are deceased and so are these people. So I'll tell the story today. They would always call this person Fachi Pinata. And you heard me, Fachi Pinata. And I'm like, anytime they'd be talking about this person, they'd be like, oh, yeah, Fachi Pinata and her husband, Fachi Pinata's husband, blah, blah, blah. And so one day, like, you know, when you're older and you hear Fachi Pinata, I asked my dad, and I'm like, hey, dad, what, why are they calling her Fachi Pinata? Like, what does that mm-hmm. mean? You know, it's like this Italian American, like, slang. Yeah. You try to, you try to put that in a translator, you get nothing. So my dad goes, oh, 
very nonchalantly. This is my family. Oh, it's because she looks like she got hit in the face with a pan. And I'm like, so you're calling this woman pan face. And he's like, yeah, we're calling her pan face because she looks like she got hit in the face with a pan. My grandmother made that up. So they've been calling this woman her whole life a Fachi pinata. And I could not think of a worse backhanded insult. <laughs> could you imagine if someone said to you, yeah, it's because you look like you got it in the face with a frying pan. <laughs> and you know, like your grandma was not thinking about like the light frying pans today. No, she was no. cast iron. Like a <laughs> cast iron got beat in the face, dented. Fachi Pinata and also called her husband Fachi Pinata's husband. And I never knew these people's names ever. They were just Fachi Pinata. And she died about three years ago. And they're like, oh, we got to go to Fachi Pinata's funeral. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, even in death, they're calling her Fachi Pinata. <laughs> so I was telling Tan the story because someone had like entirely pissed me off the other, like, I think it was a few weeks ago. So I started calling them a pan face. <laughs> And now anytime we don't like somebody, we just call them a Fachi Pinata. We do. And we had this conversation. I was like, is it is it worse to call somebody a Fachi Pinata? Or is it worse to say that they fell out of the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down? I don't know, man. I think a Fachi Pinata is so detailed specific of like, you are literally, you can envision what a Fachi Pinata looks like. Someone that gets hit in the face with a pan. Yeah. That is a crazy thing, but <laughs> I had to share it with you guys because I'm like, anytime someone pisses you off, call them a Fachi Pinata and they're not going to know what you mean. And you're only going to know and you're going to laugh. And you're going to chuckle because it's now in Inside Sticks and Bones, ghost host tip of the day. So anybody being a Fachi Pinata for you, Chelsea? Anyone being a Fachi Pinata for me? Oh, I'll tell you. The woman that lives in my building who doesn't train her dog. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not calling the dog a Fachi Pinata. I went outside yesterday mm -hmm. and her dog almost mauled me off its leash because it's not trained. And oh anytime God. I go outside and the dog's out there, the dog is barking like crazy. And he almost dragged her across the lawn. And anytime you walk into this building, the dog is barking like crazy. And she's a Fachi pinata because why are you not training your dog with anxiety? Yeah. It's not the dog's fault, but I'm like, what if he bites somebody? Mm -hmm. You know, they can get taken away depending on the state and things like that. Like I think of the animal and I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. So she's a Fachi pinata. <laughs> I love <But>. it. <laughs> yeah. No other Fachi pinatas than that. What about you? Um, there was a man in my DMS this week who I am, I'm uh, nominating for Fachi pinata of the week who oh, DMed me, slid into my DMS and said, Oh, you're an archeologist. Well, I got a bone in my pants for you to examine. Mm, Fachi pinata for you, sir. Mm -mm. That's just gross. Yeah, I also get, like, we've talked about this. I get a lot of weird DMs have, like, the fetish fetishization, I can't say that word, of <laughs> which witches or people that, like, are in spirituality or just women that have, like, jobs in general. It's just, like, so weird. Just um, darker, you know. So y'all are Fachi pinatas. Fachi pinatas. I feel like we should have like a basket to put our grievances of Fachi pinatas in. We absolutely should. And I'm laughing so hard because like, <laughs> it's just the best insult. So I now bestow upon to you this information. My ancestor said you can run with it and use it. Pan faces of the world, stand up because we're calling you out. <laughs> we are. This is now Fachi pinata season. Call <laughs> out their nonsense. But it is. I don't care. Y'all are Fachi oh. pinatas. 
Anyway, okay, we could sit here all day and talk about pan faces, but I, I mean, I got a list of enemies and grievances that I could talk about all day, but I won't because you guys don't want to hear that from me. You don't come here to hear that. No, we got to save our grievances for uh, Festivus, you know. No all one wants to hear my grievances. No one, and you don't come here for this this riffraff and this bullshit. So we're going to move on. And sure. speaking of riffraff and some bullshit, we're talking today about the Headless Horseman. <laughs> wow, what a segue. What a transition. Transition queen. Well, he causes a lot of riffraff, if if I'm I'm not mistaken in my research. So um, we want to talk about the, the Headless Horseman today because we like to talk about a lot of folkloric figures. But um, Ten's going to be talking about the Headless Horseman in like the Sleepy Hollow sense. So if you heard of Sleepy Hollow, New York, the whole lore is around the Headless Horseman. And I'm going to be talking about it um, in the Celtic, Irish, I should say Irish folklore sense of the Dullahan, which is also the Headless Horseman and how creepy he is. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to hear that one. Like I fell down a rabbit hole on my own end and like, oof, I can't wait. I love the Headless Horseman. And before we go, I just, I love the Headless Horseman outside of the Haunted Mansion. It's always been my favorite thing. When he's just standing there in his carriage and no head. And I'm like, yes, that's who I want to be when I die. This headless horseman. At Disney. At Disney. Yeah, keep me here. Okay, anyway, carry on, Ten. Carry on. Um, but before we dive into, you know, kind of the spark note version of this, I don't know why, but I for like the longest time thought like the Legend of Sleepy Hollow, it's like a book that was written in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like long. So when I bought the book for children myself. <laughs> We got it in the mail and it's 30 pages. For those of you that are on YouTube, I'm holding it up right now. It's like my head is thicker than this. You know what I mean? Like it's a leaflet. <laughs> and it's it's not even a novella. But I put it in my family chat because my mom grew up in Highland Falls, which is like right north of Sleepy Hollow, if you're looking mm-hmm. at Hudson Valley. So I'm putting it in the family chat and I'm like, if you guys had to guess. How long do you think this is? My sister fires off 500 pages, you know, a valiant guess. My brother-in-law goes 300 pages. And I'm like, it's fucking 30, man. I- yeah, it's a very it's a very small read. And to be honest with you, I didn't fully read it. So hand up today. I didn't have time <laughs> to get through the whole book, even though it was only 30 pages. It just... I thought it had at least 100 to 150. I wasn't expecting crime and punishment long, but like... No. <laughs> maybe, maybe 50, maybe some F. But yeah, it is it is um a short book. A very short book, but to dive in because this legend is very different than the 1999 movie uh Sleepy Hollow which stars uh Johnny Depp in it. It's by Tim Burton. Very very different, but I do love that movie. So, um famously described as the haunting antagonist in author washington irving's the legend of sleepy hollow the headless horseman captured imaginations for generations and of course this resurfaces every halloween season and this is a tale of a headless horseman who terrorizes the real life village of sleepy hollow and is considered to be one of america's first ghost stories and one of the scariest hmm I was not scared, but no, uh, I wasn't. You know what? The Dullahan's a little bit scarier. So like, I am scared of the headless horseman because to make that yeah. parallel, um, this, this Dullahan's absolutely like insane. <laughs> like I, I would, if I saw this, I'd run and cry and scream. It sounds scary. The American folklore tale is not so scary, but maybe it was scary for the 19th century. I don't know. Yeah. But 
Um, so it really focuses on the character of Ichabod Crane, who is a school teacher, and he's originally from Connecticut. So he comes down to New York and he's trying to woo a wealthy landowner's daughter, and her name is Katrina. And his plans of kind of getting into that like rich family are spoiled by Brom Bones. And in the story, Ron Bones poses as the headless horseman in a devious plot to scare Ichabod out of the town. Mm-hmm. And the headless horseman is sometimes known in New York as the galloping Hessian. And in the story, he's portrayed with a pumpkin, uh, like a carved jack-o'-lantern, as a head while he's riding horseback. And it's actually the pumpkin that's carved that Brom yeets at Ichabod to scare him out and the story basically ends with him getting scared and just running and nobody ever hears of Ichabod ever again and it would be Brom who ends up with Katrina yeah right so it's like did he get taken by the headless horseman or did he just flee into the night so nobody really knows but at the end um Irving kind of goes into like what happened so many years on and they do kind of touch base that Ichabod Crane does show up somewhere else so they do know that he's alive and then it just shows you know Katrina and Brom you know do end up together Mm -hmm. but you know this frightening individual while he lives in the pages of the legend of Sleepy Hollow local lore claims that this headless horseman is buried in the cemetery at Sleepy Hollow and legend says here that the ghost tethers his horse to graves in the churchyard only to set out at night in search of his missing head. While myths about the Headless Horseman can be traced to the Middle Ages, the infamous Headless Horseman from Sleepy Hollow has become, of course, an American feature in folklore. So this one is distinctly, like, American. Mm -hmm. And where is this kind of coming from? Because as Chelsea's going to go into it, this um, individual is found in so many different lores and, like, what does he represent? What is he doing to other people? And like, what is the fear? So um, Elizabeth Bradley, a historian at Historic Hudson Valley, says that a likely source for this headless horseman can be found in Sir Walter Scott's 19, I'm sorry, 1796, The Chase, which is a translation of a German poem called The Wild Huntsman. So it's likely that this writer is looking around him to see what exactly other people are writing about what other stories are happening around this time and um according to the new york historical society others believe that he was inspired by an actual hessian soldier who was decapitated by a cannibal during the battle of white plains during the revolutionary time period um which was around halloween of 1776 he may have also drawn inspiration from his story while a teenager in the Terrytown region. According to the New York Historical Society, he moved to the area in 1798 to flee a yellow fever outbreak in New York City. Mm. He would have been introduced to local ghost stories and lore at an impressionable age. But he clearly weaves together factual locations such as the old Dutch churchyard, Major Andre's tree, and some actual family names, including the Van Tassels, who Katrina is part of, and of course, Ichabod Crane, 
and a little bit of Revolutionary War history with, of course, blending it with pure imagination and fantasy. So it's a melting pot of a story, making it like distinctly part of New York's like folklore and heritage. Oh, yeah. And they're cashing in on that now because you try to book a room in Sleepy Hollow for it's like four hundred dollars. I'm trying to go see the great pumpkin blaze and go to Sleepy Hollow. and It's so expensive <laughs> because they cash in on that. And I, I'm happy for them. Like, yes. I'm always happy when towns with a lot of folklore take off and it's like their income every year. But my God, it's they do capitalize on the horsemen. They do. And it was it was interesting because even like taking the headless horse and horsemen out of this. Um, Irving really notes that like this entire town during the 1820s was like dreamy, sleepy. They were almost like bewitched. So it, it seems like this local village was just like built upon stories and like ghost tellings and everything, which is so cool. It is so cool. And it's the kind of place I want to live forever. A sleepy hollow. Even the name sleepy hollow is so cool. Saying you live in sleepy hollow, oh, you know, dream. like it's a, it's a dream and it sounds like it would just lull you to sleep. Right. Yeah. Um, but of course, Irving did not invent the idea of the headless rider. Tales of the headless horseman, of course, can be traced to the Middle Ages, including stories from the Brothers Grimm and Irish legends of the Dullahan, which Dullahan. Chelsea is going to go into. Um, so the Brothers Grimm recorded German tales depicting a headless rider dating back to the 1600s. And at the beginning of these stories, uh, the Brothers Grimm explained the legend that any man who commits a crime that deserved to be punished by beheading during his lifetime would be condemned to be headless in the afterlife. Oh, wow. So they're, they're setting it up as like, if you see him, this is an, a sign or an omen that this individual was punished in life. And then we have a medieval poem called... Uh, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, which, which I is- read in high school, which I don't remember. So if you like give me the summary, when you said that was your source, I was like, yeah. I forgot about Sir Gawain. He runs into like this character and figure, and I think he does wind up headless, doesn't he? I can't remember the the story. Mm-hmm. So it's a 14th century Middle English uh, romantic poem by an anonymous author, and it also has a cameo of a headless writer. So. As it goes, there's a green-cloaked gigantic figure on a green horse, and he arrives at Camelot on New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. This green knight challenges anyone in King Arthur's court to strike him with a blow under the condition that exactly one year the knight will return the strike. And Sir Gawain, a knight of uh, the round table, takes up this contest. He beheads the green knight, but to his horror, the green knight simply picks up his own head and remounts his horse. I do remember this now. Yeah, I had to study this in high school. We want to talk about boring. Like <laughs> the things they make us read in high school. I read this in Catholic school nonetheless. It's like, why did we read this? I don't know. That's fascinating. I didn't read anything cool like that. It wasn't really that cool, to be honest with you. Like, I'm not into like the medieval stuff. I'm not, I'm not, that's not my time period. I could be so less interested in anything in the world. Oh, I was forced to read the Canterbury Tales and take a chance. Oh God, course. I don't like the Canterbury Tales either. <laughs> Somewhere. You want to talk about middle fucking English, man. <laughs> yeah, some of the things, I'm sorry if you're a teacher out there and this is what you have your classes read, but as two students, we hated it. <laughs> we served our time, man. <laughs> served my time in Azkaban. But who is the Dullahan, Chelsea? Okay, so I think a lot of this, and I'm surmising, but I think a lot of this is based off of the Irish folklore of the Dullahan. 
That's mm-hmm. why it's made its way over into the United States and things like that. Because the Dullahan does predate like the 19th century. It goes back pretty far. And Irish folklore, as we know, is very, 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 very old. But <laughs> I will caveat with this. It was really hard to do like actual scholarly academic research on the Dullahan because anything mythological in Irish is just... It is just like diving into the trenches to find something that's written by a scholar. So... um I did find a few things and I did compile like um, several accounts that I found within the same articles, mm-hmm. but the Dulahan's not being written about so much. So like, it's kind of like the Banshee where it's briefly mentioned because there's so many folkloric figures that no one's really doing a deep dive because how much can you really say, you know? Exactly. They know that they're there. So what what yes. else is there to say? <laughs> so actually the Dulahan, so is the headless horseman and he is the personification of death. So in mm-hmm. Irish folklore, they believe when you see the Dulahan, that's it. You're dead. Like it is like when you see a banshee, it is an omen. It is a warning. And he is the one that's swiping your soul up. That's, that's where you're going. Goodbye. <laughs> so um, the Dulahan is most well known for his headless appearance. And there are many stories that suggest how he lost his head. Okay. So one of which being that he was a soldier in a previous life and he had his head taken from him in battle. So that same story seems to be yeah, happening here. But there's other stories that suggest, and remember with Irish folklore, it's going to depend on the region that you're in. Um, people have different stories yes, with the same plot and everything. Some suggest that his head had already been taken and he rides with a darker purpose. Believed to be bitter about his own death, he searches for other souls to take with him to the afterlife. Interesting. So it's more like vengeance? Yes. Like uh, if this happened to me, so now it's going to happen to you. Ooh. So um, so sightings of him vary from person to person, region to region. But these are the reoccurring characteristics that we see. A black carriage drawn by black horses, <laughs> driven by a dark coachman wielding a whip. And a creature, and this creature appears closer to midnight. Um, it also is stated that um, in Irish folklore that it, he usually shows up on big feast days. Mm-hmm. And it's not just randomly. It's usually like these big occasions, like equinoxes, like huge celebrations. So like we have Samhain coming up. So hide. Hurt <laughs> <laughs> your loins. So the approach of the Dullahan may be heard from the sound of hooves. Um, or the cracking of his whip, right, for his horses. Okay. And you can you can hear him, but you might not always see him. So some people can hear him, but they don't always see him coming and vice versa. Oh, my God. Yep. So this was also another interesting fact that I found. Um, some people even stated that his mouth is split into a terrifying grin because he finds joy in reaping souls, basically. Oh, my God. Yeah, this one's much darker. So let me tell you what happens when you encounter the Dullahan. Do you want to hear? So say you don't know and you're like, oh, this is a nice gentleman coming to pick me up on a horse and carriage. No. Wait, Um, I got a a question. Does he travel with a a carriage or multiple horses? Yes. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So he shows up with a horse and carriage and no head. Oh. (laughs) Yes. So um, as he makes his way way through the towns and villages, it's actually stated that locks, like to keep him out, don't work. So like if you have things locked, he can just open locks, gates, et cetera. And he just waltzes right in. Um, People would actually hide because if you see the Dullahan, he whips your eyes out with his whip. I'm no. (laughs) Okay. His whip is made from a human spine. Oh, yeah. that I'll take your eyes out. Or are you ready for this? He throws blood in your eyeballs. That's a that's a 
That's the disgusting. Ball right there. Yeah. Okay. He has the ability to speak only once on a journey. Um, and the only time he speaks is the person's name that he is coming for. So if you hear your name out of the headless horseman, it is your time. Oh, and it is in the worst way possible. <laughs> With a human spine whip and some blood in your eyes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, once he calls the name of his victim, then they are simply dead. But we have some good news here. We have some good news. Okay. You can stop him dead in his tracks. And I'm going to tell you how. Can you stop him if you're the name? Good question, 10. I think you can. Okay. I'm I'm not sure. I don't know. But this is what happens. So he, this is how you can stop him. So it believes that, you know, that he appears after sunset, usually closer to midnight on festivals and feast days. Mm-hmm. Um, so be be careful going out outside if, you know, you subscribe to the Dulahan. And the only thing that can stop him, which is gold, precious metal. And if you throw that on the ground in front of him, it can cause him and his horses to stop in their path and turn to flee. I don't know why, but it was said that prestigious families um, in ancient times in Ireland would have, you know, gold to stop him in his tracks because they heavily believed in the headless horseman. Oh, my God. Yes. So um, I don't know if you can stop him, though, if it's your name, because it's it's like. I don't know if he's essentially a a reaper or like what it is. Like if death himself sends the headless horseman to come collect you, but yeah, that that's my question is like if he is reaping, like if that is your time, and he calls out like Ten's name, and I'm just like ah, Uno Reverse, here's some gold. I think you can stop him. <laughs> I don't want to find out. <laughs> I think you can stop him, and um, in some instances, some people consider him part of the. Fae, which is fairy. And by the way, I want to say this for the people. Fae is not a term that people in Ireland use. They use the good folk, um, the other world people. Fae is like a new a new term. And I, I believe it's French. Um, I saw a, f- a few folklorists talking about this. And when I was in Ireland myself, they call them the good people, um, okay. their neighbors, etc. So they don't really use the word fae. Um, but some people do consider him underneath the realm of fae, depending on the story. So I found that interesting, which I don't know. He just seems like a mythological figure that is, that brings death. Yeah. Yeah. Before I move on to like, who's who in the characters and did they actually exist? When we first talked about doing this topic and just like even looking at like artwork of the Headless Horseman, it just inherently reminded me of one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse of death itself yes but death is a pale rider so at least according to some but it was just like it's utterly fascinating that death will always come on a horse right yes it's it's very interesting um it kind of reminds me of like paul revere a little bit where it's like signifying that something's coming like that omen like the british are coming the british are coming you know like but it depends on what version of the Dullahan or the Headless Horseman you subscribe to because the Dullahan obviously seems to be way more terrifying than like this Headless Horseman that's mm-hmm. talked about in America and Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, because if we look at who's who, like it just seems like this Headless Horseman is like chasing people because he's just looking for his head, which same, like I would too, you know? He can't see. He doesn't have eyeballs. Yeah, get out of get out of my way. I need to find right. my head. So who's- as one does, you just <laughs> need your head. Yeah, I've lost my head. <laughs> well, 
As for folklore mixing with history, when it comes to the character of Ichabod Crane, the New York Times reports an actual Colonel Ichabod B. Crane was a contemporary of Irving who enlisted in the Marines in 1809, and he would end up serving 45 years. But there's no evidence that these two ever met or came across each other's paths. Mm. So it could be coincidence, a quinky dink. Um, But for the Headless Horseman, research has been done on who exactly this soldier was to corroborate some of Irving's details. In the story, the Headless Horseman was apparently a Hessian soldier who died in battle during the American Revolution. And Hessians were Germans who assisted the British in their attempts to bring the rebellious colonies back under British control. But records from the revolution note a battle near Sleepy Hollow, the Battle of White Plains, where American, British, and Hessian soldiers were all involved in a firefight with cannons. And researchers did find the diary of an American general, William Heath. Heath was in the battle and wrote of seeing a cannonball sever the head of a Hessian soldier as they fought. And there was enough information in this diary for researchers to find the grave of said Hessian. He lies in a cemetery near where the fictional Ichabod Crane is said to have encountered the very real specter. Today, a small placard actually marks the spot where the lone Hessian lost his head, less than eight miles from Sleepy Hollow. While the placard was dedicated long after Irving penned The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, and there are no explicit references to this skirmish in history, the parallels are undeniable. So, very interesting. But I could not find if there's any more interactions or experiences with this Hessian. Interesting. Very mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, it's... I like folklore because it's like, do you believe it? Do you not? You know. Makes you think. It does make you think. Um, I I always believe in Irish folklore because when I was there, they still believe it today. Like people that are actually native to Ireland are like, oh no no, banshees are real. And I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> okay then. Um, all right. So shall we go into the ghost house hotline? Let's go into the ghost house hotline. I'm ready to okay. be scared. So this was a story that we got, and undeniably, I I read a little bit of it, and it just seemed so terrifying that it was so fitting for today's episode that we haven't done one in a while, and I feel like we should. Yes. And you're getting my live reaction. Chelsea has not shared this even. I haven't even read through it all the way, but I saw some things, and I was like, okay, you you have me. I am intrigued. Are you going to scare yourself? I I might. (laughs) I might. might, My live, live reaction being scared. Okay, so here we go. Hi, Chelsea. Thank you again for the reading you performed for me this week. I don't know how relevant this might be to your podcast, but it is an experience I had that has largely made me turn my back on anything otherworldly for the past 10 years. And it is something that my gut told me to share, whether you can offer insight or not. I know you asked for only a few sentences, but it feels difficult to address without context. So this is why I wanted to do this because Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes people are like, they need to unburden themselves with their ghost stories. And I like to unburden them you know how to be the listening ear you know so the context when i was young i moved for the first time with my family to a new state um i remember most things seemed normal until about a year after living here when i began to experience things that made me so fearful in a way i had never and have never experienced every night i slept in my bedroom I don't remember the first things that indicated the activity, but here are some of the most memorable stories that I know were real, still vividly, I still vividly remember and was fully awake for. 
Also in this house, I lived completely alone on one side across um, an entire walkway separate from my family. So this person had lived like in their own little oh, okay. house off from the house is what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, most terrifying to me was something I experienced numerous, to- numerous times, oftentimes several times in a row before I could fall asleep. The worst night it happened probably seven times. You know, the feeling of jolting awake because you fall asleep too fast or you feel like you're falling. Just as I would be falling asleep, I would be jolted awake only to find my body bouncing on my mattress and my mattress squeaking from it. So not them levitating, but you know, like when someone sits on your mattress and is like doing the, yeah, they're bouncing down and it's causing your body to jolt. Yeah. So that's what they're experiencing. At first I described it as if my mattress had been thrown up in the air or like someone was jumping on my bed with me while I was sleeping. I feel like now it was me actually falling back to my bed. It was horrifying, but I was always too paralyzed by fear to ever move or do anything. So yeah, that's like a ghost is like sitting on your bed, getting your body to jolt. (laughs) Um, thankfully this was a mostly isolated incident. I actually felt like I was in serious danger or something bad was going to happen to me. So this is the next part, the next story. Oh, one night I awoke in the middle of the night. This is the one I read and I was like, yo, Around three to hear knives scraping from my bedroom. The I'm next sorry, what? Yep. The next morning, I was so sure of the feeling. I begged to have a friend stay over that night, or it felt like something awful was going to happen. We fell asleep facing each other on my bed. At the exact time the next night, we both woke up at the same time and looked at each other. We both heard the same scraping noises and it seemed closer. She bolted out of bed and ran out of my room, leaving me to follow her. It never came back after that night, which I'm really thankful for. Holy shit. There's a third experience with this same thing that's happening. Okay. <laughs> this is involving other people who never knew anything about my house experiences. So this is just a random group of people. Okay. There was another occurrence where a group selfie in my bathroom mirror sent on Snapchat to another friend where there was a humanoid shadow figure hovering behind us. It was me and three friends. One girl took it and sent it via Snapchat to another who wasn't there at that moment. So sending it to like a random person, random friend. Yeah. She opened it later when we were together in my room where she freaked out and showed it to another girl before it disappeared. Back in the days when you couldn't replace snaps. No. So there was like a shadow. Fi- I know. I'm like, send it to us. <laughs> send it to Though I cannot confirm this story since I never saw the picture, the other girls who saw it refused to ever set foot in my room again and never returned to my house. Oh. Okay. So this person is having like some weird experience. Um, the activity I experienced eventually faded after a year or two, and I've never dealt with it again, even though I didn't do anything myself to stop it. I've did a lot of experimenting and research, um, the mundane to find explanations for both of these situations, even speaking with doctors for the first one, honestly, the experiences I had there have left me with a form of PTSD. So when you're terrified of something, you know, it, it leaves that with you. Oh God. Yeah. I don't know if I have an explanation. You probably just had a entity in your house that was trying to scare you. Yeah, it's the knives, like the blades probably off of tile or wood or floor. Like scary. That is an unnerving sound. I mean, blade blade sharpening. It was definitely like I say this all the time because I study negative entities. They do incite fear to feed off of it. So it was probably yeah. feeding off of your um your fear and then it showed itself and i know you didn't directly see the photo but i do i do believe it because why would that girl never step in your house again you know like yeah. she 
no one just makes that shit up and it's like i'm not coming into your house like out of fear genuine fear genuine fear and the fact that it like manifested and like showed itself maybe was trying to um what do you call it like trying to like all bark and no bite but i'm not saying it didn't have bite but like it's really trying to like push the limits of like okay well i tried the sounds i tried this i tried that like now i'm going to show myself oh yeah entities can be really smart or really stupid and the fact that it showed itself it's like you just you just laid out your full hand my friend like now we know what's here that's why they're stupid it's like if you would have just stayed silent and did your thing with the knives in the bathroom you would have gotten way more fear out of me than showing yourself in a photo you know yeah you put down your poker hand and you have one pair congratulations you lost (laughs) well i'm really sorry that um you formed some sort of like post-traumatic stress disorder over this like this people don't realize like when it actually is something paranormal and it's scary like this it does cause a lot of fear and like you do live with that so thank you for unburdening yourself with us um we believe you you're not crazy like that definitely sounds like uh a negative entity or a shadow person for sure yeah really trying to just like reclaim its space because or just be a weirdo yeah weirdo just standing there being like take my picture <laughs> yeah like how weird of it to show itself that's how i know it wanted attention it wanted you to be scared it knew those girls were going to be scared it was it like, was like look the at girls me. are scared of me yeah it was very look at me yeah well you know you're valid in feeling the way that you do i just want you to know that i because you know Paranormal experiences can be really terrifying, especially if it's not something that you want. Like I live for paranormal experiences, but it's it's not so fun when you don't know what's going on. You're like, um, because you can't see them and you're like, they have the the high ground here. They're invisible. Yeah. Yeah. Until they're not in a photo. What do? What do? They're in the walls. Like you're truly like, you think you're also crazy at the same time, you know, crazy things are out there, but yeah, damn. Then it's the knives for me. Oh yeah, that's that's the part that I read that really terrified me. And um, I read the third part of like the third experience, and I was like, this is why we got to share this one because like, yeah, you not only you but people that didn't even you didn't even tell the experiences to were also having experiences, and that's when you know it's like that's when you, when you know that's when you know it's like uh, patient zero you. Then you have offshoots of it's not just you, and everybody else saw that photo but you. Yeah. God damn it. I miss the days where you could replay Snapchats and like you can screen capture it. Uh, But maybe it's good that you don't have it. Oh God. Right. Could you imagine? No, no, I, no one wants that. My, my um, dad will often send me photos. Like his friends will send him photos and be like, um, look, do you see this like Victorian girl in the mirror? And it's like one time I gotta see if I have that photo. He sent me something and you could see the ghost in the reflection. And I was like, Hey, yo, that's a child spirit. Get out. You could see it. Why is it there? Right there. It's got black eyes. I'm out. I am See you later. out, out, out. Um, okay. Well, did you have anything else you wanted to add to our podcast episode today, tennis? Um, yeah, I've got a cre not crazy, but a wild story. And I want your opinion. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm calling myself out for this. Mm-hmm. So Kevin and I, Kevin only exists on Instagram. So every night we usually lay in bed and we will send each other like funny memes or reels or whatever have you. That's how we decompress at night. So I saw a video last night and I sent it to him and it was like, for every like Captain America, like find your Tony Stark. And you've seen the Marvel movies, right? Yes. So I was like, I sent that to Kev because I was like, oh my God, Kev is Captain America. Like he is 
Mr. Goody Two Shoes needs to do everything correct and proper, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, so he's like, yeah, 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 I totally am. I'm 100%, you know, Steve Rogers. And I was like, oh, so does that mean like I'm Tony? Like, you know, he's headstrong, doesn't give a shit about people, like absolutely wild. He goes, no. Who do you think he said I was? I don't know. He goes, you're Loki. <laughs> so what are, what are you asking my opinion on if I think you're Tony or Loki? <laughs> does that make sense? I was, I was like, I want to be Tony. <laughs> want to be tony stark like i want to be tony stark but i also don't that's true you die at the end (laughs) i don't want to be a hero that's something i've learned it's too much burden and responsibility that's true that is true i I don't i want to be batman i want to show up when i need to and leave when i need to and no one knows who i am that's it and everyone hates me and i'm fine with that even the people that watch batman movies don't like batman that's fine yeah, Batman, I don't know if I can get on the Batman train. Oh, he is the coolest shit. And, Guys. you know, he has this darker side to him. And I want to be Batman. I can't stand Captain America. I'm <laughs> tired of the, I'm so perfect. You know what I mean? No, no. you know what? Captain America. I've, Captain America, you're my Fauci Pinata of the week. Because at the very end in Endgame, you go back in time so you can be with your love. Nah, that's not hero shit. That's so lame. <gasps> it's so <gasps> lame and maybe because I'm, I'm in my crone girl fall where i'm like i'm a, i'm i'm here for the villains like i want the villains of the world you know mm-hmm. that's what i'm here for they're I flawed want, but they do it with purpose i want the morally gray i want deadpool yeah i i like a good morally gray i don't like a squeaky clean hero type of man Mm-hmm. I don't want the color inside the lines. Mm-hmm. We're bored. We're moving on. This trope's been done five million times. Speaking of trope, because you know, last pod of uh, two podcasts ago, we talked about trope. So it's like, don't look at my Kindle. <laughs> Which, by the way, I thought about that after we had like published and recorded it, and obviously that episode is aired now. I'm like, I just got on here on Beyonce's internet and said that full send. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. In case you're wondering, it was in the Persephone episode. <laughs> Oh my god! That the other day, I was like, "Wow, Chelsea and I really just aired everything out." I mean, it doesn't get any more authentic than this, you know. I'm sharing with you guys the Fachi Pinata story. You know, I feel like we're really close. We're friends now. You hear us through your your car speakers, your Alexa speakers. Sorry if I said anyone's Alexa off. Um, you hear us through your headphones, your AirPods. Um, I feel like we're close now. You know, I'm in your ear. I'm in your ear. How how much closer could you get? I'm in your brain. But yeah, I I don't I haven't really shared that Fachi Pinata story with every anyone else besides Ten. So, you know. Wow. A gift from your ghost host to you, everybody. <laughs> Call them a Fachi Pinata and they'll be like, What did you just say? And you'll be like, Google it, and there'll be no information on it. That's right. Speaking of possible Fachi Pinatas, um, next week we're covering the Salem witch trials. Oh my god that i i don't know if people are going to like us after this episode oh no man it's gonna be it talk about a cold opening next week <laughs> i know so maybe you might like us that you like us this week but i have some uh, smoking hot takes about salem that i've been saying this and this is no hate to anybody that lives in salem i have and 10 has the smokingest that's not even a word the most smoking takes to ever take the internet by storm about salem like we thought Danielle's hot take was scalding when she said that she did not like the no, name. No, this Christmas. is this is 
this is like a solar flare hot take. This is fucking scalding. And, you know, I'm kind of alluding to it. And it's a shame because I'm a witch and I shouldn't have this take about Salem, but I fucking do because I study things. And that's all. That's all. And and that's the uh, cliff we're going to leave you guys on this week. (laughs) But also, I should say this. And I said this last time. I didn't even I went to Salem before 10 a few years ago. I didn't even tell 10 my takes about Salem. And she came home with the same exact take. Because I felt crazy. I felt literally insane until 10 came home. And I was like, what'd you think of Salem? And then she told me her take. And I was like, thank you. This is why we're friends. If I ever had a test of friendship, it was this one. And you passed with flying colors. Until I literally came home and was ready to nail my 95 theses on my door. I already and did it. Chelsea <laughs> calls and is like, oh, what'd you think? And I'm reading it off. She's like, oh, bitch, I already been there. <laughs> I know. No, we're we're not like. I just want to preface it with this: we're not shitting on Salem, and like th- this is our opinion. You're allowed to disagree with us and be like, you know what, I don't agree with you. But we do have reasons as to why we feel the way that we do, and um, you know, I- I'm just like, should we just start the episode now? Goddamn, I got to shut my mouth. We can save it for next week. Yeah, give us a feel of what you think our takes are going to be. How cataclysmic are they? Do you have hot takes about Salem? Do you believe in the headless horseman? And yeah. <laughs> well, I have I have one more one more take before we leave. And this is just a PSA. What's your this take? is something that grinds my gears. When I see people practicing witchcraft, oh, but then they can't tell me where their practice is coming from. Oh. I okay, so I went into a metaphysical store a while ago and I asked the owners of the store, huh? Where what do you study? I think that's a very fair question to ask if I'm buying products, right? Yeah. I like to support other businesses and they couldn't tell me. Wait, what? They couldn't tell me where their practice was from. Like, how are you spelling your products? How do you know that this is properly spelled? Where are you getting this from? Etc. They couldn't tell me what their practice was. Yeah. All you have to do like is being like, oh, uh, my grandma taught me or my mom taught like anybody taught me or oh, I, I like to hyperfixate on the Greco-Roman times in the Mediterranean world and do ancient magic. That's perfectly acceptable. You don't have to tell me in a dissertation how your spelling process. No, I just wanted to know their background so I can understand yeah. like what was going on here. And I was like... That's weird, man. What is, you know, what is, where's your practice? Where's your practice based in? How'd you get started? Blah, blah, blah. Like I can tell people I'm Italian folk practitioner. Oh, I also like have this crazy hyperfixation on ancient Greece, you know? So I like to use Gorgon heads and things like that. Like evil That's your Roman empire. Knives, you know, coffin nails. Cause I like death witchcraft. Yeah. You couldn't tell me. And I literally was like, so how do you know what you're doing? Nothing, nothing, no, nothing whatsoever. I don't know. It just really bothered me. So PSA, if you go shop somewhere or get a reading and someone can't tell you what, what, what this is from. It's weird. It's weird to me. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just because we like study 50,000 million things. I don't know. Maybe it's because we're treasure troves of useless information. <laughs> yeah. So that that was my my gripe this week. But all right. That's it for today's episode. I hope you all have an amazing rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.